we need to get our together, people, because we this is only going to get worse. This regulation is only going to get worse. Welcome to episode 417 of Brews News Week, recorded today, Thursday, the 4th of May, 2023. I'm Sabrina Coons, and I'm joined by my regular co-host, Ian Watson. Hey, Ian. Hey, Sabrina. How are you? Good, thanks. And new to the podcast, new podcast host, I don't know what your career is going to be, Claire, uh, Claire Clouting. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm excited to join. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> It would be remiss of me not to say um, happy May the 4th. Is that uh, to both of you? Are either of you Star Wars fans? Yep, absolutely huge. In fact, in January, I went to Disney World, um, mostly specifically to visit the Star Wars land there. So it's a big day in our house, that's for sure. As, as someone of my age, I don't, I don't think um, Star Wars can not have been an influence on my on my life. I just find it fascinating, the beers that are coming out, the promotion that's going on. Um, I thought I'd raise it because our two former journalists, Claire and Vivian, were both Star Wars nerds and I thought it would be very remiss of me, but the whole thing just flies over my head, I have to say. But happy May the 4th to all of the diehards out there. Um, We didn't forget you. Uh, So we'll crack in. There's quite a bit of news, the substantial news of the week, I guess, uh, Lion ends bevy rebrands as little creatures. Lion has continued its. Oh, this sounds a bit harsh. Lion has continued to cull its regional craft brands, according, announcing that it is ceasing production of its bevy branded beers. The company will rebadge Bevy's Camfield Hotel home as a little creatures microbrewery. Uh, bevy was launched as a joint venture between Lion and the owners of the Camfield. Um, when it opened in the shadow of Perth's Optus Stadium in 2018. Um, Lion trumpeted Bevy as a chance to write another chapter in Western Australia, reintroducing a local brewery on the banks of the Swan River after it closed Swan in 2012. However, this move was also in response to Lion losing out to Gage Roads on the porridge rights at Perth's Optus statement. Stadium and the inroads made by Western Australian craft brands. The decision to end the Bevy brand follows the announcement in March that Lion was closing Tiny Mountain and admits a review of the company's craft portfolio and strategy following its purchase of Stone and Wood in 2021. So, um, you know, the the feedback on this online was fairly mixed, but also if anyone's sort of a real industry watcher, people didn't sound all that surprised. No, I think this makes total sense to me as somebody from WA. Um, and if anything, I think it just feeds into keeping creatures front and centre of, you know, beer in WA. Um, it makes a lot of sense to me. And I'm actually really excited to go there and see what it looks like after the rebrand. And I know the brewer, Mel Dennis. I'm really excited to see what she does as well. I, I think it's a good thing, personally. Yeah, it's something that from uh, being a Queenslander and actually having never been to, to Western Australia, hard to get a full perspective on, but just looking at it and thinking there, it would make sense for creatures to be front and centre. And uh, I'm not sure, Claire, where exactly is the stadium in relationship to Perth itself? Is this something inner, like how we have uh, Lang Park here in Brisbane, or is this something that's on, on the outer part of Perth? 
No, it's pretty central. It's very close to the CBD. And um, the Camfield is really, really close to the stadium. It's, you know, it's less than a couple of minutes walk. Uh, it's really there in the shadow of it. So it, it does have really good traffic as well in that a lot of people will go and have their beers there and then hop over to the stadium. I'm just excited because, you know, it's so good to be able to have craft beer just outside the stadium and in the stadium um, from two, you know, great big WA brewers. It yeah. makes me very hopeful for stadiums across Australia, really. So for me, it was sort of from a strategic perspective, um, it seems to make a whole lot of sense. And if Matt were here, I'm sure he would be talking about, you know, the Little Creatures hasn't sort of maintained as high a profile as it had done when it was first launched. And really Lion have been putting a lot of effort into that, I'm sure, um, this is how much time I spend with Matt that I'm thinking of all the things he would be saying. So I'm sure he would be <laughs> referencing the closures of little creatures in the US um, that Lion had sort of used that as part of Little World Beverages to do their push out and then they sort of didn't really get traction but just haven't seen that growth in little creatures over the recent years. And so this is, as you as you started at the top, Claire, a reinvestment in that flagship brand so that sort of all the focus is going into one space rather than all of these little regional plays. So um, hopefully it's a good outcome for the staff um, involved in those changes. It sounds like an absolutely gigantic venue, 175 taps and a capacity <laughs> of 2,500 people. That's massive, massive pub. I, I know. Well, I, I was thinking, I was like, well, you know, Little Creatures doesn't run that many beers. There's a few taps left over and if you say, you know, sure there'll be other line brands, but if they can bring in that real WA feel to something, that that's what, you know, people travelling from interstate for these big games want. It will help reinforce people visiting their Frio brewery because there is a lot of choice now in WA and I think you get people that are especially um, season ticket holders you know they will be going there and it will remind them that the brewery in Frio is there and probably yeah. get people back in. But it did seem like a bit of a, um, a hopeful thing uh, to create this new brand in a way of trying to reinvigorate Swan um, whereas maybe you know, as we said earlier, better to strengthen what they do have. And they do have a fantastic WA brand in, in Little Creatures, the most influential uh, brand in the modern age of, of, of beer in Australia. Mm. Well, um, on to more big business. Um, Endeavour releases Q3 results um, in its filing with the AXX on the 2nd of May, so a couple of days ago, Endeavour Group described its Q3 results as solid group performance for the quarter with stability across both retail and hotels. That's their headline. Uh, group revenue totaled $2.83 billion, a 3% increase over the prior quarter. Um, I've pulled out a couple of items out of their announcement that caught my eye. Um, the first is that they announced their retail sales return to growth in December and continue to track ahead of last year's Q3. They noted a trend towards pickup in their retail stores, representing 53% of online sales in the period, and really had talked a number of times about their omni-channel offering. So I think, you know, for, for other craft breweries, these are things that, you know, um, jumped out as me that breweries might want to think about. 
Um, they talked about their My Dance membership program has continued to grow, reaching over 5 million active members. And that was actually up by a couple million members in a quarter. So that's fairly significant. Um, in BWS, retail continues, uh, customers continue to embrace local and convenience. Uh, this was reflected in increase in transactions. Uh, the next note, investments we made in our Pinnacle drinks, no brand beer, uh, will see us well-placed to meet changing customer preferences, offering exceptional value at all price points and providing capability to partner with suppliers to develop new products across all categories. We've talked about um, that quite extensively. And then on the hotels front, during the quarter, Endeavour welcomed five new hotels, adding 16 bars, five bistros, seven accommodation uh, rooms. That can't be right. I think that's um, seven accommodation centres, I suppose, and 112 electronic gaming machines to the portfolio. They noted a 90.8% sales growth year over year in the hotel's pub sector, with sales being 15% higher than pre-COVID levels and a strong rebound in bar and food sales, um, food being the fastest growing category in recent months. Uh, James Phillip from CGA by Nielsen IQ shared um, th that in his view, these results reflected the CGA um, pulse consumer pulse reporting that they had been doing for the corresponding period. So said that those results were consistent with what Nielsen had found. So, um, you know, I think what's described here, and of course, um, this is this is a media release, but um, results strong on retail and hotels. Yeah, uh, they're, they're pretty solid results, really, um, with some of the sections really strong. The one that surprised me uh, and I, I want to understand a little bit more is the 90% sales growth year on year in the hotel pub sector. That is massive. Yeah, but I think it's reflective of um, the prior year still was seeing COVID impacts. So it's not, so it might be 90% on the prior corresponding period over the whole of the group, but is not necessarily reflective of uh, where it was up to years earlier. Yeah, better be the better, um, yeah. better comparison. We were really free from uh, restrictions by early last year. However, the public attitude to it was the differentiator there. So the start of last year was quite slow, not because of government um, restrictions, but because everyone was a little bit too scared to 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 go out. Uh, yeah. And five million active users yeah. in the My Dance membership. That is um, extraordinary. What's Australia's population? 25 million. So 20% of Australians, including those under the 18, if you count that in, are members of, of, of My Dance. And I couldn't get over, like, I don't know what constitutes active. So, for example, I never shop at Dan Murphy's. Um, but I had a friend's birthday so I could get the 10% off. So I signed up when I was there because I was buying, you know, 20 bottles of wine or something. And then now I don't look at it because I received the newsletter, am I an active subscriber? So I don't know how they constitute active. But to your point, that number is absolutely massive. And because it's grown so significantly between the last quarter and this quarter, my thoughts were straight away to like, you know, the economic environment and people looking for cheap, and Matt's going to kill me, cheap booze. Um, 
you know, that's straight away where my head went, which is now everybody's like, where can I get a deal? This was the one bit that I picked out straight away. And I I think you're absolutely right there. Uh, I get the regular emails from Dan Murphy's and I think they're doing something that maybe a lot of the other retail um, alcohol outlets aren't doing is people have got their eyes out for bargains now. You know, interest rates going up, times getting tough. And they're making it easy by sending it to your inbox and telling you, you know, what you can get within your budget. So I think it's really playing into that. I'm going to be interested to see how some of the other retailers sort of start to engage with the consumers, particularly around deals and things. I certainly have noticed an increase. Um, So on the Brews News side, you know, we receive the emails from most of the breweries um, in the country and a lot of them are starting now with 10% off, um, join a subscription, get a discount. The challenge, of course, is, you know, I don't don't want to pick this topic up again for the 60th week in a row, but um, my dams can only drive down the price so low, but the people who of all of the suppliers because they have a lowest price guarantee, at some point breweries can't afford to take 10% off the top because there is no 10%. So, so you know, um, understanding the economic environment is really difficult and Dan's have positioned themselves as, as essentially lowest price guarantee. But for the suppliers supplying in to Endeavour, um that price guarantee might mean zero margin for the people who make the product because all of the elements in the supply chain have gone up. Well, that's it. And it's a very interesting sort of, I know you guys talked about the vertically, vertically integrated products last week. Yeah, it can play to the strength for their own products if you're putting pressure on all the other suppliers and um, producers. I think that there's a couple of interesting sides to that um, that's not just the pressure that's on the con- on the producers. Yeah, absolutely. The Also in line with that, it's saying that um, store pickup is now 53% of yeah. online sales. So that probably goes in, Sabrina, to um, what you said about people bargain hunting and then doing pickup is um, – possibly a way of even keeping that down a little bit lower or maybe people are just really wanting that that convenience but that's that's pretty strong I would not have guessed that it was 53% of their um of 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 their their online sales you know what's really interesting about that I remember when and so I was still in New Zealand at the time um, when we first went into the first round of lockdowns and a lot of breweries had never done that direct to boot sort of um, you can buy from us, but it, it required that no contact um, provision of alcohol. So a lot of it was literally drive up, we'll put it in your boot, we won't engage with you. And that saw such a huge traffic that a lot of breweries kept that offering afterwards because consumers decided they wanted that they would, as you said, Ian, buy three cases and drive there once, pay nothing on shipping and get it put in their car and drive off. And so that was an offering that in New Zealand really kicked up and breweries had never done it before. Like direct suppliers had never done that kind of um, sort of pickup piece and then had to as a result of COVID. And it would be interesting to see whether 
um, this signals something to breweries about an offering that they can continue. So if they are offering online sales, if continuing to offer online, online sales, do they continue to offer a pickup option um, between certain hours to sort of make it as attractive as going to, you know, dance? Yeah. And again, I'm starting to sound like some sort of socialist lefty, but um, I'm not saying this isn't great business for Endeavour, but if Endeavour are getting record profits and our breweries are shuttering because they can't make beer for the cost of making beer, we have a structural economic problem (laughs) that is not going to be solved in the next couple of years that is making it really tough for small businesses or or medium businesses who had planned on growth. Yeah, that's a, a tougher thing to take than um, breweries suffering because there just aren't the sales out there in the world or that no one wants the product. People want the product, but then you can't do it at a way that a brewery can survive. That's, yeah, that's sad. Yeah, it's very similar to, you know, what I think we've seen happen in our food industry and it is a worry to me because you start to lose that brand loyalty so, you know, over 60% of what's in a person's trolley in a supermarket is things they've purchased because they're on special. And so you might buy, you know, well, I've come from chips. So one week yeah. you're buying Smiths and the next week you're buying Thins. And yeah. so there's no brand loyalty there. And I, and I worry that that is the way that um, beer will go and that people will literally be buying whatever's on the special cycle. And it, that will potentially hurt breweries in the long term. That's that's where we need, and we'll probably get to this later. There is a good carryover to that uh, from this week's beer as a conversation. Um, yeah. Something Miro Miro said there about um, giving people something special in that glass, and it's not necessarily the liquid, but it's a- around um, your service to them and the way that you that are drinking that beer makes them feel, and the story of that beer makes them feel is where they feel that that two x two dollars extra for a pint is is a bargain, and that that is just a, a spot on statement um, from 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 Miro there, and it really applies to getting brand loyalty as as Claire's saying there, so that they're not just buying your product this week and then whatever's cheaper the next week. It's um, and I'm sure we'll loop back to this in the lead up to BrewCon, but. Um, we're getting to marketing, but sort of truth in labelling, clearly independent, all of those items, where it's made, um, a clarity around what the product is, all of those things are going to become exponentially more important in a really tough economic environment. So the headline, uh, next piece of news, ABAC um, has released uh, Alcohol Beverages Advertising Code. Uh, the scheme have released what they describe as the toughest ever alcohol marketing code uh, into Australia. Um, and that was released last week, I think. Um, they have said that changes to strengthen the code have been made after an extensive 15-month public consultation process, consideration of a wide range of submissions from government, health organisations and industry and community input. We had announced that this code change was coming but hadn't seen the full text of of what was in it. Um, When we posted this article, I should say a couple of folks have asked, you know, where can I get what the changes were? If you work in anything associated with marketing, sales, if you're a business owner, I encourage you to read the full report. It's 30 pages but it is actually... um, 
I thought, very clear and very comprehensive. There will be a um, webinar hosted by ABAC Chair on the 13th of June, so you can sign up to that, and I suspect there is a and a opportunity there. So if you are directly involved in this, that is going to be your number one best opportunity to get feedback specifically. Um, I've pulled out, they've noted a bunch of key changes, um, increasing the percentage of adult viewers required before alcohol advertising is permitted, expanding the definition of strong and evident appeal to minors, expanding restrictions on the direct marketing of alcohol, tighter restrictions on what is meant by responsible and moderate alcohol consumption, following concerns raised by COVID, clarifying that suggesting consumption of alcohol offers a therapeutic benefit is prohibited, and that has been expanded to clarify that this includes health or mental health benefits, and it is not permissible to suggest that alcohol overcomes problems or adversity. Um, The code has been extended to cover the marketing of alcohol alternatives, i.e. products styled as beer, wine or spirits, but with an ABV of less than 0.5%. So they are fairly extensive um, increases in what comes under the code. Um, FAIR, the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education, sent a newsletter to their members uh, within sort of hours of this uh, coming out, essentially advising that FAIR had declined to participate in the review of the code because they did not consider that a body that was self-regulated, uh, in quotes, um, was appropriate. I just sort of pulled out a few things from the report itself and, and maybe I'll rattle those off first. But one of the areas that I thought was really interesting is um It is a quasi-regulated body. So we talk about it being self-regulation. It's from the alcohol industry. It is primarily funded by the alcohol industry. But there is a government-appointed health expert that sits on the panel, the adjudication panel um, for ABAC, and that is someone that is independent of the alcohol industry and is recommended by government. So there is government involvement in Uh, and a health perspective that goes into the evaluation of all of the decisions. So to say that it is not as robust as government, I think is um, not quite as um, truthful uh, as it seems on the front if you don't really dig into the makeup. Um, The other thing I wanted to note is that in the report it highlights how many submissions were received on a review. So this is a significant change to us. 26 submissions were received Um, by ABAC, 11 from health organisations and 10 from the alcohol industry companies or associations. I want to say this in the most positive and uplifting way and not sound like a teacher who is scolding, but the anti-alcohol lobby put in more submissions against this and 40-plus health organisations declined to participate stating that they didn't think it was an appropriate body at all. And they received 10 submissions from alcohol bodies. That's We have 700 breweries and brands, breweries. That doesn't include spirits and wine. And we managed collectively to put in 10 submissions. We need to get our together, people, because we this is only going to get worse. This regulation is only going to get worse. 
And when there is an opportunity to participate, we have to participate. So that's my sort of ragey, ragey piece about this. Um, but, Claire, you were mentioning off mic that um, sort of relevant to where could this code be going next, but you were sort of saying, I don't think it is the strongest code in the world. Well, yeah, I was quite surprised to read that claim because um, well, I travelled to Germany last year and um, I'm originally from the UK and I did go and have a look this morning um, how these these things are regulated in other countries and a lot of the time it's government they seem pretty strict and rigid um so I would, that just really surprised me that they claim to be one of the globally um strongest um standards and um i look 100 echo what you say sabrina i think if if we don't step up and take responsibility as an industry now we're just going to end up going down that road and it, it's going to be really difficult then to negotiate. Well, it would be like shutting the door after the horse has bolted. Um, so it, it, it's disappointing, you know, if, if we didn't as an industry come to the party enough. And I'm sure the IBA made a submission and I'm sure the Brewers Association made a submission and so 10. But there are a number of medium to large independent breweries and I think if you have a marketing department that is engaged in this all the time, this should be front and centre of what they're doing. And the fact that there was sort of the opportunity to write a submission, copy a submission from the IBA and send it in separately or, or participate in any way, I just, I'm not suggesting it's not hard and that there aren't a million things that small breweries are doing. But there are a number of medium-sized breweries that employ a whole host of people in various departments that could have been charged with responsibility for this. And I just think I realise that it's voluntary code. Most people are not signatories to it. We've seen some responses that say thanks but no thanks. But the alternative is not going to be less regulation. The alternative is only going to be more regulation. Yeah, it is disappointing that there hasn't been more submission. And in fair play too, that's not just the six, 700 uh, no, breweries exactly. and brewing companies. There's also a hell of a lot of wineries and spirits companies around. And basically I, I think that probably if you've got a company where you've got more than one person full-time in the marketing department, you've got time for someone to have read over this and to have formed an opinion on it. And not everyone is going to then want to um, submit on that, but uh, just surprised that there, there weren't more. I am also slightly surprised uh, and disappointed uh, with the 40 signatories to FAIR that say they weren't even going to participate. So they're, they're engaged enough to say that this exists and the knowledge exists, but they're not, and to say, well, we can't participate in it because it's just not good enough. Well, the only way it's going to be good enough is if you participate in a FAIR and associated companies. The same as I say when people complain about any organisation, if you're not participating in it, you have no right to complain about it. So FAIR, just as much as us, as, as we should be engaged in it to 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 make sure it's it's good and doing its job, they should be in it too, or they can't really complain. And I'm just as as stroppy on that because that is just like a a freaking little child in saying, "Well, it's just not good enough." My bat, my ball, I'm running away. Well, so tell us how it's not good enough. Tell it how it can be better, so that we, as the alcohol industry, if this is in part run by us, so that we can make it better, because we do want to be a responsible alcohol industry. So we need your input as well as those of our own members. 
And I think well said. (laughs) Welcome to the party, Ian. It's hard, isn't it? Once you're on a roll, you're on a roll. I think, and this is why I encourage everyone to read the the text of the report itself because um, the panel, the report itself was very balanced on that fact and said, look, you're raising questions of governance of the scheme itself. That is not the purpose of this review. You need to submit those elsewhere. We're going to focus on the substantive points raised in the submissions and we're going to address those precisely because of the point you raised. So I actually thought the text of the report was very thoughtful and balanced. Um, I will make a couple of other observations, one of which is throughout the report you say the rationale given for strengthening some of these areas that that ABAC say, look, we might have adjudicated towards something because we use this phrase spirit and intent and we are um, we need to keep those those phrases in this scheme to enable us to move with the times rather than being able to review the text of the scheme like every year we need to be able to sort of move with the spirit and the intent of the scheme and they and they use um non-alcoholic products as an example of that but throughout the report they the rationale given for strengthening some of these pillars was given the number of new entrants to the alcohol industry and the scheme was last updated in 2017, and I think, you know, we would all agree there's, even just if we take the brewing side, a significant number of small new entrants to to the alcohol, to the brewing scene anyway, which we can speak to, and that FAIR are really highlighting that maybe if you have a marketing department, if you've been in the industry for a while, you're more likely to err on making decisions that are in the spirit and intent of where ABAC are going more consistently. So where there's grey, you're going to err on the side of caution. But because there are so many new entrants, we are no longer confident that all of those new entrants are going to err on the side of caution. And so we're now going to make it black and white. We're now going to say, actually, this is the rule. So I just thought that was a really interesting reason for um, some of the decision, backing up some of the reasons they made the decisions. I do think that the alcohol industry has changed quite a bit as well since that time. We've seen a lot more RTDs, seltzers and products which could potentially um, really come a cropper with some of these um, with some of these standards. So, you know, I do see it from that perspective because I do think it's a different landscape yeah. from when it was originally um, conceived. And I think the other big piece for me, there's a couple of others, that re- this um, piece around no health claims. So what's really interesting about that is, um, uh, and I think I've talked about it last week, but, you know, I'm increasingly advertised in places I wouldn't expect to 0% alcohol. Um, low-carb alcohol, so on and so forth. I was actually reading some academic research the other day um, that said that there were findings that said actually um, low-carb, so alcohol, specifically it was beer actually, but beer with other health-related claims actually didn't have a less impact on your, your ability to get drunk for want of a better word um than other products than full strength beer so so this code is going to come at a time when the fazans the food alcohol standards is still looking at uh energy labeling and other 
claims in relation to food standard labelling. So it's really interesting that that ABAC, having having received input, have come out and basically said you can't market your product as good for health, whereas our food standards, and they actually mentioned this in the report, that there's labelling has an interplay, hasn't clarified precisely what you can and can't say. So if you recall, there was that whole piece around um, Fear the Beautiful Truth. Maybe that was just a New Zealand thing, but that was um, th- there was sort of uproar around um, beer can be a healthier option. So I just think that is a space as, uh, as a lot of businesses are looking into the good for you category that as alcohol or non-alc alternate producers, we need to be really careful in what we say and how we market. So that was a fascinating interplay to me. That's going to be huge because, um, as they say, they haven't got their arms around it. As an industry, we haven't got our arms around it. But um, the code is going to regulate even non-alcs that are described as beer, wine or spirits. Yeah, wasn't that bit interesting because we've seen a few complaints and stuff pop up in the past about non-alc, but actually putting some formal sort of code around it, it, it's interesting. And, um, yeah, I'd like to understand a bit more about the intent of that. I think there was a really, I actually found the part of the report where they said, here is what we're balancing, which is on the one hand, non-alc offerings may help reduce or create may respond more responsible alcohol offerings. So they sort of balanced that role against um, there are claims that non-alc products marketed to minors may be seen as gateway, although they add a sentence that says there's no um, there's no independent research that that proves that to be true. Um, but they've sort of said we're trying to balance all of these things against it and ultimately we've landed on if we regulate brand extensions like cologne from VB and T-shirts and hats, we can regulate non-alc products. Yeah, so. I think that's quite fair enough and it was it was something that was obviously going to happen and should happen. It yeah. should be in line. Um, yeah. If we consider these products to be beer or wine or spirits, we should treat them the same in this way so that it is not seen as something and that it's not used as something by, by anyone as... As, as the thin edge thin edge of a wedge, I suppose you could say. And we probably should look the same too with how we do um, promotional materials, to which I, I don't want to see those things ending, but we have to make sure that we're, we're using those responsibly um, and that we're not uh, making promotional materials that uh, do have appeal to, to minors uh, because that should not be how we're, we're conducting ourselves. As a sort of an aside, I was reading another piece – a piece of academic research. I'm prepping for our upcoming academic research paper, everyone. So I was reading this other piece of academic research that was a um, on-premise review of bars um, on the Gold Coast, and it basically said 50% of those had a visible non-alc offering, only 50%. And so from a market perspective, so so the lesson that I took out of that or the opportunity that I took out of it was have your non-alc offerings really visible um, because there may be people that would choose a more expensive non-alc offering um, if they knew it was available. And obviously these, 
you know, we're pubs and clubs and so we're um, nightclubs and so we're really looking to drive long nights through presumably alcohol consumption. But the flip side of that, it presents an opportunity to have those non-alc offerings more visible. So, you know, I just took that as an opportunity. But I think, like to me, I've always argued that a non-alc spirit is a cordial. Um and so if you want to market as it a spirit and get the $20 a glass for your non-alc spirit, then you should be bound by the ABAC code. And if you don't want to be bound by the ABAC code, you could brand that cordial for grown-ups and, um, and sell it, you know, and not at a premium but not be restricted by advertising, right? So I think people that exist in that unclear space because it basically said if you don't call it a beer wine or spirit that is what's that's what's covered by the code yeah absolutely i think that's quite fair so um you know i'm sure there are going to be people screaming at me saying that's not what a non-alc spirit is but whatever um that's the way to get around the code uh, anything else on that other than um, we should all be paying attention and we should be lobbying as hard as the anti-alcohol lobby uh, and everyone attend the webinar on the 13th of June? So say you were coming up with uh, you wanted to change your labels because of the new ABAC which is being implemented uh, from the 1st of August. Is there anyone that you think you might call? Yeah, I, I think there is Sabrina. Uh, so th- they're a, they're a company here in Brisbane, um, and they do all sorts of of labels for your cans, labels for your bottles. They'll do shrink sleeves, they'll do stickers for your, for your boxes, whatever you think. All labels, stickers, and packaging they can take care of, and that's Rallings labels, stickers, and packaging because they 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 know that the, the can or the the bottle is a mini billboard, and that's a perfect way for for a, for a brewery or a winery or whatever you are to express yourself and bring your brand to the to the public so if you if you're looking looking for that or or even if you you don't think that you are but you know you're wanting to keep abreast of things and make sure that your your brewery is is right on the edge have a look in the show notes and, and give give the 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 folk at rallings label stickers and packaging a call or, or an email and i'm sure they can help you out with with such matters sabrina thank you ian um and listeners you can't see this because it's a podcast but claire started almost grinning and laughing immediately at my very fumbled (laughs) attempt at a segue but she knew what was coming and so did all of you so on to some lighter news uh iba seeks judges for indies the independent brewers association has launched expressions of interest for aspiring judges and stewards for the 2023 uh australian independent beer awards the indies uh, the awards, the judging will take place in Brisbane at the Felons Barrel Hall from the 15th to the 17th of August. Expressions of interest close on the 26th of May. Um, I've said this before, I can't reiterate enough uh, what a great opportunity stewarding is as a pathway through to judging. Um, it's great to see that the judging is being um you know, it's in Brisbane, I think, for the second or third year in a row as a result of COVID. Um, but it's such a fabulous opportunity. Um, put your expressions of interest. If you're sitting on the fence and you're not sure, put your expression of interest in anyway. Um, it's a really, if anything, steward op- stewarding um, offers you the opportunity 
to develop your networks within the industry. I recently gave this advice at a Pink Boots event that was, you know, one of the best ways that you can strengthen your networks, your existing networks, is to participate in industry-wide events and stewarding and judging, if that's the level you're at, is a really great opportunity. Equally, if you want to judge or be a trainee judge and get offered a stewarding role, um, don't turn your nose up at that opportunity. There are thousands of applicants across the country or hundreds of applicants across the country. And if you steward and, and tick all of the boxes, you're more likely to be invited up to that next level of opportunity. So if you think it is below you um, and decline it, you may never receive the offer that you want in the future. So you really need to get in um, boots on the ground. And I think even when it comes to strategy for entry, you will learn a lot in the stewarding process. Um, so just encourage everybody to go through that. Um, Justin Fox, in a separate announcement, the IBA said that Justin Fox has been appointed as the chief judge this year, which I'm sure everybody in the industry thinks is fabulous. Um, and then, Claire, you were part of the IBA working group um, that was responsible for taking a look at the rules and the classes for this year's competition, and there's been a whole bunch of changes. Yes, yeah, there have. Um, there'll be more um, details released soon. Um, but, yeah, I think um, well, I'm just really excited about the indies and the changes that are being made. I think it's got a wonderful future ahead of it, um, particularly to be a bit different and differentiate itself from the ABERS and the local Royal Agricultural Shows. And, um, a yeah, big part of that this year has been looking at the categories and um, making sure they're a bit tighter. There isn't any sort of those ambiguous... Um, categories that sometimes end up winning a trophy and you're like well how how did that win that trophy so we, we, it's been great we've got a really good group of people um and what's the official title claire remind me it's the, it's the indies working group right and um yeah it's been led by will tackle of andy ems and it's just oh i've loved sitting in on all of the meetings it's just so many smart people who really understand beer styles and and it's actually, everybody's been really in agreement about most points, which is really good. Um, so we feel like we're moving in the right direction with a lot of the new categories, particularly around things like separating out, you know, English and British styles from European and making sure things are judged in a way that we think is more conducive to fairness. And, um, yeah, I think, and I think it'll be a better experience for the judges as well. Am I right in saying that there was an Australian IPA added this year as a as a nod to IPAs that have just Australian hops in them? That's definitely been a point of discussion and um, there's going to be some clarification and approval on that front. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of the discussions being around Australian. What does New World mean these days? Yeah. How do you fit in New Zealand in terms of, I know that the Brewers Association recognise New Zealand as a category? Claire, that is one of my crowning achievements for the <laughs> Brewers Guild. Um, that was... Uh, um, yeah, that was one of my crowning achievements. I really wanted that and now we get it. Now it's in all of the competitions internationally and I'm like, yeah. Anyway. It was wonderful and I think it's given us a lot of pause for thought when it came to Australian and Australian styles. And I think we're also recognising that 
we've gotten to a point now where there are old world styles, even in the pale ale and um, you know, American IPA, for example, you know, it's not one of the new cutting edge styles anymore. And so making sure that things are framed appropriately um, to get the best outcome for everybody. Cool. Um, I love, I mean, I, I spent a long time on beer competitions and classes and categories and it's, um, I think the outcome is you can cut it any which way you want, right? And so it's just about what is best for this competition and, and the Australian marketplace, right? So it's fascinating. Moving on to in other news, Ian, you've already mentioned, but Matt had a great chat with Miro Bellini, who's the head of marketing for Moondog. So that was a really great chat and Matt describes him in his notes as perhaps arguably the most passionate um, advocate for craft beer in the country. And I thought that was um, uh, um, that was quite a glowing reference when it comes from Matt. Yeah, uh, Miro is very, very passionate. I've known him for, I don't know, 13 or 14 years. Um, very passionate. It was very great at, at beer service. That's uh, And I have a lot of respect for him in there. Um, and when I first met him, was in Melbourne. I was down there with uh, uh, Sean Sherlock, I was working with at the time, and uh, he introduced me to Miro. And after we walked away from the bar the day, he said, what do you think of Miro? And I was like, mate, he's fantastic. How great's the service from him? And he went, yep, I knew you'd, knew you'd approve. He's, yeah, very, very passionate, very knowledgeable guy. And that's a, a really good listen. Um, the whole conversation um, takes some good twists and turns and uh, you get to hear Matt and Miro bouncing off off each other. Uh, I would lo- love to have been sitting down with the, the pair of them for a, for a beer to have seen how that, you know, just 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 to listen and, and see how that, that conversation could have continued on more. Yeah, yeah a great listen. Um, I'm just going to give a shout-out to um, Spark Brewing who released a Brew Pro article for us, but it's a, it's a checklist for lab equipment. Um, and it's actually quite a long checklist, but it's also super practical. So I know that when I was um, with the Brewers Guild, I was trying to create a procedure document that was a high-level process for small craft breweries, an end-to-end process that really stepped out, do X, do B, test X, to, and, and nobody could give me an end-to-end process. And so I think as a really practical tool, if you're a small brewery or considering opening a brewery and you don't have a lab, this really breaks it down. Um, so I, I'd just say I, I thought it was quite useful. It seems a bit obvious, but I think... Um, I mean, this is your space, Claire, but I quite liked just something that was as basic as here's a checklist. Have you got it? It's absolutely perfect. And this is a good point for me to spruik beer, because if you have got a laboratory or you're thinking about putting a laboratory in, um, you can test that all your equipment and testing is going well by joining beer, our laboratory proficiency program. Very reasonable. And the other thing, which goes nicely hand in hand with this, is that all of our members get 20% off their ASBC memberships, which is where you get all your methods for the lab. And it's very reasonable. I think it comes in at, you know, under 200 bucks and you get an extensive amount of um, laboratory uh, SOPs and um, troubleshooting stuff. So I think the two would go really nicely hand in hand together. Great. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put a second in for beer on that. That's a, a great initiative. Uh, it lets you test your equipment. It lets you test your procedures. It lets you see whether things are deviating over time with your with your measurements, um, which 
is otherwise difficult to to do. You can team up with another uh, another brewery and see, but what happens if you're really out and it's because both of you are out and neither of you have it right? Well, this is a way that you can you can calibrate yourself and and see how that's going. And that it Bira, am I right, Claire? It, it goes. There's all different levels of testing. So even if you've got a very very basic lab, or if you've got something um, where where you can. Uh, test more advanced compounds um there is something in there for for everyone from testing gravity through to testing uh total sulfur and and vdk absolutely you can do as little or as much as you want you can even calculate alcohol if you want and but yeah you could just do gravity but we've got everything and anything you know we've got co2 impact ibus um color so it, it, it it is great and it's extremely affordable you know we're still keeping it under 200 bucks which is um, which basically just covers the cost of the beer and our shipping. The rest of us all do it voluntarily. So um, yeah, check it out, beer.org.au. I really love, Claire, that every time you're given the opportunity with a mic so far, both in your beer as a conversation and here today, you've managed to find a way to talk about beer. And so I think, um, but, but it's part of the same reason that I brought up this uh, Brew Pro from Spark is that, um, I think sometimes for small breweries, they can feel alone in trying to figure it out. And so breaking it down and making it really simple and then having an entity like Bira to say, okay, I've done what I think I need to do, let me check, is a really great way to kick off that, you know, quality production side. So, um, right, I'm conscious of the time. I've got a couple of more um uh, in other news, but we're going to start with the first one, which was an announcement from Young Henry's and Solitel joined forces to raise fund, funds for farmers for climate change. Um, and in response to Bruce News posting that announcement from Young Henry's, we received our first ever speak pipe slash voicemail. Thank you, Steve Brockman. So I'm going to play that now um, and then we can comment back on it. G'day guys, it's uh, Steve Brockman down here in Adelaide. I just thought I'd use this record to voicemail function that's on the Bruce News website to say awesome congratulations to Young Henrys for their support of the Farmers for Climate Action. It was a nice article to read on Bruce News this week. Um, they've obviously been kicking a lot of goals with their B Corp certification and stuff, but um, I'm really stoked for this initiative because uh, Steph and myself do a little bit of work for the Farmers for Climate Action down here on the Fleurieu Peninsula. Um, and it's really important to see a brewery such as Young Henrys get behind the cause um, for those who don't know, Farmers for Climate Action is a network of about 8,000 farmers from half a million acre grazing properties all the way down to sub 100 acre properties like we have in the Adelaide Hills. Um, it's also backed up by about 35,000 Australians that are passionate about the cause. And the network exists basically um, to make sure that farmers that are talking sense about climate change are heard by the media, um, by policymakers in Canberra, and then also by the general Australian public. Um, so if you're a listener in New South Wales, please go grab a pint from Young Henry's and support the cause. I'd love to see this uh, be a successful drive because beer, after all, is an agricultural product with both hops and barley. Um, and also, if you want to check out stuff about Farmers for Climate Action and what they're up to, check out farmersforclimateaction.org.au. Cheers and good beers, guys. Uh, looking forward to hearing more conversation. Cheers. So, A, Steve, thank you for using our super awesome voicemail program. It's much nicer to hear from all of you and hear your voice um, as part of this podcast rather than us just reading out your feedback. And I think um, basically, you know, it's fairly self-explanatory, um, you know, good on young Henry's. 
Oh, fantastic. Coming from a farming background, I love to see, you know, farmers um, getting on board with this sort of thing. Well, I think as Steve said, you know, and Matt's made this point before, beer is an agricultural product. We come from an agricultural product. So supporting farmers is something that, you know, whether you're an inner city brewery or or a, a beautiful rural location, it's something that we have a direct relationship with. So um, well said, Steve. Anyone else would like to leave a message for us on any topic and have that played as part of um, the podcast, the weekly podcast? I will post uh, the link again into the Radio Brews News group. But, um, yay, thank you. A couple of other announcements in these sort of maybe separate but super dry zero launched by asahi in australia so sort of another no alk play by one of the the big breweries and then secondly tui's got a rebrand um i don't know if anybody took the opportunity to look at it on our online to be honest um the statement was weave and lion worked incredibly collaboratively on the tui's project it's a fine line between refreshing an iconic brand retaining all the well-loved memory structures while setting the brand up for the future. We've confident we've created a look that honours our impressive past but keeps the brand moving forward. I could not tell the difference. So I, <laughs> I maybe don't have twoies in my house every week. I don't pick it up. I, I honestly thought it was the same thing. Yeah, I think it was more prominent in on the can than yes. the bottle. I yeah. saw the bottle first and I thought, well, is that the old one or the new one? Yeah. But the can, I think you could, it looked a little bit more um, brighter. Update. I don't know. It just, I, um, yep, that's fine. It needed to happen. But I kind of, I was um, trying not to be facetious, but I was like, this is where Lion is spending their time right now. This doesn't seem like a good, given everything else that's going on in the business was this a need to do right now or is this representative of the fact that that sector of their of the market is not going so well for them and so they are doing whatever they can so i just went sort of all a bit um a little pessimistic on the rebrand unfortunately um and then the last comment before we move on to brewery of the week um joe our producer had posted into the radio brews news facebook group an ai generated beer advertisement um, and so if you are in the Facebook group or, or you want to join the Facebook group, you can find it, uh, Radio Brews News, and take a look. It was pretty hilarious. And as one of the, um, uh, someone responded, this is because um, I, there are never any beer advertisements with anyone actually drinking beer. So it was sort of a barbecue scene and everybody's standing around and, and the bottles were inverted. It was all um quite frankly, a bit creepy. So I don't think anybody needs to worry just yet about AI taking our jobs. But it was um, it, it was really funny and I, and I think that certainly the topic of AI and the beer industry and both the opportunities and challenges are going to keep coming up. But this was a pretty hilarious example of it not working just yet. I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, I'd love to use that for for an ad. Um, perhaps it goes in with some of the things I just like watching or, or listening to, etc. Uh, I, I, I found it was pretty cool. Um, the only thing is that I don't think you could use it because it um, probably might breach advertising standards because it might imply that you are inebri- inebriated um, just from some of the visuals you're getting from it. I would be qu- I'd be questioning my state of mind. But 
You know what's interesting, Ian? Um, I don't know this. Um, somebody smarter than me might know this, but I wonder if you can start pre-vetting your ads using AI and the ABAC code. Can you say, dear ChatGPT4, does this image meet these criteria? That would be Based on prior bad. adjudications, right? And so you can start sort of, I, I don't know, but if it's based on prior learning and the adjudications are out there, that wouldn't be a bad idea and it'd be a start before maybe going and taking it on on further from there um yeah that's actually there is there are so many ways you can use ChatGPT, and i keep thinking of new ways um every every day and that would certainly be a, a a great first step use particularly if you're a small operation and you don't have quite the resources there's a first step you wouldn't lean on it totally but it would be it would be another tool that you can you can use but anyone out there who um has similar musical taste to me if you haven't watched that ad, watch it and then think of uh, the clip to the Hurdy Gurdy Man by Butthole Surfers and uh, that's what it reminded me of. I feel like there's a very specific niche group of people who are going to get exactly what you just said. Oh, yeah, there'll be, there'll be one, uh, yeah. one of them out there. <laughs> so moving from AI to Brewery of the Week, uh, Bluestone Yeast bring us Brewery of the Week and they can supply pictures of yeast from one litre to 100 litres at greater than 2 billion cells per milliliter. Whether you're after a one-off pitch or looking for weekly, fortnightly or monthly deliveries of yeast, Bluestone Yeast has got you covered. You can reach them at info at bluestoneyeast.com.au or call Derek on 03-8518-3172 and talk all things yeast. Claire, as our guest, any brewery of the week? Well, it was very hard. In WA, as we know, is full of amazing places. Um, but I'm calling out Rocky Ridge this week. Um Always love Rocky Ridge. They are, you know, re renewable energy, very environmentally minded, which is something that's very important to me. They never cease to amaze us with um, their beers. So diverse, always interesting. Um, I had the joy of being on the champion um, flight for the Perth Roll Show last year when they won with their um, Polsky Pivo Pills, I think it was, yeah. like a smoke. Um, and the even more exciting news is that they're coming to Perth, so we don't have to travel all the way down to Busso anymore to um, to enjoy their beers. We can um, go and enjoy them in Duncraig, which is just north of the river in Perth. So I, they're not giving an actual date yet, but they've actually purchased the venue and are working on it now, so I can't wait to see how that comes along. That's exciting. I mean, it's interesting. Um, we've been asked to provide some data to the WA government for um, their working on the craft beer strategy over there. But the number of breweries in planning, in expansion in WA remains significant. Like it remains a significant portion of the total for the country. So, you know, like Blaster are due to open their venue soon and then that's got um is it fox friday moving in behind to take over the old premises is it fox friday from yeah from from blaster so like there's just a lot going on in wa yeah which reminds me as the very last uh, shout out today maybe by the time you've heard this it's too late but early bird um tickets to the Wobba conference uh, being held on the 9th of June. Early bird tickets close today. So um, if you haven't got one and you want to get one, look forward to seeing you all in WA in June. 
And with that, and just on an hour, that wraps up another week of news. Your hosts have been me, Sabrina Kunz, and Ian Watson and Claire Clouting. We'll see you back again next week, Claire. Yes, I'd love that. Great. The show is produced and edited by Joe Helder. We thank Rowling's label stickers and packaging and Bluestone News for their support in making this episode possible.